Pseudoscientific ideas have long been used to justify the worst human behaviors like racism, eugenics, and genocide. One of the most transparent of these justifications is the idea that your potential has more to do with your genetics than anything else. We're talking about biological determinism today on The Misanthropic Life. Recently, we rewatched one of my favorite movies, Gattaca, which is a, a story about a near future where genetic identification technology has become so ubiquitous that it's used for literally everything. The moment a child is born, they know all of the details of their life. They know what their probability for every disease imaginable is, whether they're going to be sick or healthy, whether they're going to die young or live to an old age. Which sets them up for where they are going to be in life. The foundation for where they start. Yeah, and, and it becomes used instead of a resume. Your genetic makeup becomes the thing that determines how much money you're going to make, what kind of jobs you're going to be eligible for. Ostensibly your social status as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's basically the only thing that matters about you. This movie was released in 1997, and it has Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, Alan Arkin, and Jude Law as the main characters in this movie. The story is about a family who has two kids. One was born naturally, and the other one was genetically modified. The firstborn was Vincent, which is Ethan Hawke's character, and the second one is his brother, who was genetically modified. There are a lot of questions that the character Vincent has and challenges that he comes across that will basically determine his whole life trajectory. So when I watched this movie, I thought it was so prescient. We are also in a time where everyone is interested in their ancestry, mm-hmm. in knowing about their genetics. You have your Ancestry.com. You have your 23andMe. Basically, this movie was hearkening to what was basically going to be right now. This movie did not do well at the box office. The budget was $36 million, and at the box office, they made $12.5 million. And despite all the oohs and ahs and praise that it got, it, it just couldn't come across to people as something interesting to watch or something fun. This actually reminds me of a movie that I actually liked that came out in 2018 called Annihilation that was something that challenged its viewers. Um, Like Gattaca, it was considered a very smart movie, very intelligent, but it just didn't come across that way to your everyday moviegoers, I guess. And so the movie didn't do well. Gattaca is, is one of my favorite movies of all time. But it is a little bit challenging to to understand because it is a very smart movie, very layered, and they're definitely trying to say something about society and how we treat each other and specifically about genetic determinism. Yes. Genetic determinism is the idea that your behavior, your attitudes, your IQ, your, your potential, right, are 
all determined by your genetics before you're even born. This idea is so interwoven in the fabric of Western society that it is impossible to overestimate how much of an impact it has on everyone's life. I want to challenge that and say not just Western society, but the whole world. This was used to justify a lot of things. The Holocaust, slavery. Well, yeah. I mean, this is basically the scientific umbrella term for racism. And the idea is that, of course, Western Europeans are genetically superior to everybody else, obviously. And because of that, the idea that it is something innate, something that you you literally have no control over that determines everything about you, is an idea so seductive to supremacists that they have literally stuck it everywhere you can imagine. All the tests are based off of the cultural norms, the physiology, every single test that is the starting point. Exactly. In the movie, the main character, Vincent, is a naturally conceived child. He has no genetic advantage over any normal child. In fact, he has a lot of weaknesses. Because his genes are being sampled and analyzed by everyone, including potential employers, he's basically denied the ability to follow his dream, which is becoming an astronaut. I I just want to point out that there was no getting away from these testings. Literally every time you were applying to anything, it was run through this system and it it had a database where it checked up against it. And if it didn't match it, you were definitely questioned again. Yeah, I mean, there's clearly a database of some sort that's being maintained that has everybody's genetic profile on file. And the movie points out that it is against the law to discriminate based on genes, but that everybody does it anyway. Which, you know, once again, also reminds me of our modern society. In order to live out his dream of becoming an astronaut, he has to undertake the difficult task of faking his genetic identity. Um, and he does that by soliciting the help of a, a, a man who's in a wheelchair, but who has a far superior genetic makeup, someone who was genetically engineered to have as few flaws as humanly possible, right? He goes through this whole crazy daily ritual of preparing blood and tissue samples and hair and urine and all these things just in case he's randomly pulled aside and checked so that he is delivering to them not his genetic material, but the genetic material of a superior person, uh, a made man, as they call them, a valid. People who've been genetically engineered in, in the world of this film are called valids, uh, as opposed to invalids who were natural born, yes. right? Who are not genetically superior. And so as the film goes along, Vincent um, proves his worth at every step of the way. He's smarter. He's more capable. He's a better fit for the mission that he is being sent on. Yes, which is important. The physical activity, the testing that they did every almost every day, it seemed like. Yeah. 
they had to do a physical test yeah. to make sure that they had the endurance to be able to sustain um, the space project that they would be going to. Right. Well, I mean, even astronauts in, in real life, right, they physically test them all the time just to make sure that they don't send them up into space and then something goes wrong, right? Something physically goes wrong in a, in a space where they can't help them, A, and B, they would jeopardize the other members of the mission. Correct. What I love about this film is not just that it it shows this really interesting picture of discrimination that feels very, very plausible from a, a near-future standpoint of Western society. It also gives a, a sound repudiation of genetic determinism in that it shows that um, our hero, Vincent, an invalid who is not genetically perfect, still manages to be the absolute best person for the job of this extra planetary mission to Titan that he's being prepped for. Mm -hmm. Despite all of his genetic flaws, genetic flaws, his disadvantages, Yes, right? The determination and the desire that he has, he overcomes all of them. Mm -hmm. This is contrasted with his genetic superior, Jerome, played by Jude Law, who cannot summon the will to continue with his life anymore, despite every advantage that he's been given. The one thing that we did not mention is the backstory to how Jerome Marrow and Vincent, the deal, right? Why that became a thing. The character Jerome financially needs to support himself. And so there is this underground business where uh, those who are valid, they sell their DNAs to invalids um, so that they can survive. So the valids need the money. And so you have this kind of exchange or business. Jude Law's character, uh, Jerome, is on a wheelchair because he tried to commit suicide right. by um, getting hit by a car and he survives. He used to be this olympiad swimmer and mm -hmm. he can no longer do that so he got in touch with this company to sell his dna and so it's like a black market thing exactly and so this is how jerome and vincent end up being introduced to each other and how the partnership began what's beautiful about this film is that it destroys the idea of genetic determinism that our potential is bounded by what's written in our genes and really um, promotes the idea that it is the content of our character and our will and determination that actually define our abilities. And that to me is, is so beautiful because everything in this world is telling you that you're not good enough. We have, a, we have an entire society built on well, built on supremacy, right? Mm -hmm. And the idea is that some people are valid, some people are not. They're invalid. We even use the exact same word to describe individuals who are handicapped, who are disadvantaged, not able, not serviceable. They are dragging society down. They are, they are the ones who are not good enough. That's our world, 2019, right? Yeah. We're all being stratified and classified based on 
basically the content of our genetic makeup. Yeah. What's interesting is that biological determinism really kicked off a lot of other sciences relating to our genes. From that, we get genetic reductionism, which is basically the idea of if we understand our genes, our genes really is the source that we use to understand all aspects of human behavior. Okay, so that that's specifically about behavior? That is... The, the idea that our behavior is determined by our genetic makeup. Correct. Got it. That it's determined by our genetic makeup, which, I mean, again, going back to biological determinism kicked off as well eugenics. Yes, of course. And, I mean, we literally have a eugenics problem still today in healthcare. It's been since forever. The entire scientific method... Medicine itself... Medicine is based itself. on that. Yes, exactly. Completely yes, based on 100%. that. 100%. Here's the thing that I that I thought was interesting. So the man that made the term eugenics popular was Francis Galton, who ironically is cousins to Darwin. Oh, of course. Well, I mean, look, all this goes back to Darwin, right? This is another topic for another time. Yes. But the entire scientific method is problematic, and it's problematic because it starts with the theory. And so what ends up happening is that the scientist, whatever they're studying, has a preconceived notion or a theory about how this actually works. And so what they end up doing is recording evidence that proves their theory and discarding evidence that does not. Ooh, now we're getting into biases. It's all about biases. But this process by which all the other scientific disciplines are based on, Including right? the science of medicine. Especially the science of medicine. Correct. They all have the same error in them, right? And that error is one of human bias. It is impossible to separate it when you start with the idea of the perfect man being no well yes exactly because that's yes. where you got to you need a constant when you start with the idea that this is how i believe it is now let me go prove it rather than simply taking in all the evidence and then coming up with a theory you get into this place where all you end up doing is proving your preconceptions And in this case, the preconception, the 19th century era preconception of white supremacy is basically the basis for all of this, right? Yes. The idea that man comes from apes and that some men are closer to apes than others is clearly underlying so much of evolution. Yes. That, like I said, it's impossible to fully extricate it from basically all of accepted science. Again, there's so much that we can go on and dig in our heels on and and really start discussing, but it was just, I just thought it was so interesting that the person who really came up with, coined the word eugenics was a cousin of Darwin. And he strongly believed, and he, I mean, Francis Galton, 
G-A-L-T-O-N, strongly believed that there were certain people who should not procreate. And he was talking about those who had physical abnormalities. Right. Um, and, and you could be of sound mind. It's just, yeah, these people can't procreate because they will weaken the human species. And right. this man... Despite the fact, by the way, that evolution is predicated on the idea that genetic mutation advances the species. I don't know what else to say. Like I said, the idea, this, this problem is so pervasive in science. And medicine. There are whole peoples <laughs> throughout the world that have been affected by the science of medicine because of the notion of eugenics. Historically, they when they talk about the Holocaust, they don't include all the things that led up to it. And there were several things leading up to it. But there was a lot of experiments that were happening, not to the Jewish only, but to the Africans sure. as well. Well, the Germans were heavy into all that eugenics. Yes, they were. Not way to, before Hitler. Yes. And the United States as well, by uh, the way. Yeah, absolutely. United States as well. Remember, most of our scientists back then were either Eastern European or German. You did have some French and English folks, but they were heavily. Yeah, you're 100% correct. So, I mean, America was also doing experiments in the South, in the American Southeast, yes. and on the natives and yep. the African-American. Mm -hmm. I mean, literally the whole branch of gynecology, at least in the United States, was solely on the backs of Black women in the South. Mm -hmm. There were other places contributing, but there was such a push and a study that was happening in the South, on black women. Again, we could go on and on and on about this, but um, I believe the point that Gattaca was pointing out was that biological determinism is something that the, the idea in practice is man-made. Well, right. I mean, the central thrust of the film is that Vincent is exceeding his potential. There's a there's a, a a line from the director of the the NASA analog in this world. This is basically like the director, his his boss, the director of the mission to Titan that they're planning to go on. Says no one exceeds their potential, and if someone did, it means we didn't accurately gauge their potential in the first place. Correct. Right. Which is kind of the point of the film. This is basically what biological determinism is right there. This guy says it in that many words, right? Mm -hmm. The idea that your potential is bounded by your genetics and there's literally nothing you can do to exceed that potential. The film is actively disproving that by showing you how absolutely capable Vincent is in every aspect of his life. Every time one of his genetic superiors loses to him, they get really upset because this shouldn't be happening. But the truth is that our potential is bounded not by our genetics or by our biology, but by our will to do whatever it is that we want to do. If the history of humanity has proved anything, it's that we constantly exceed our potential. Yes. 
we constantly do yeah. as a species. Things happen that shouldn't really happen. I love that the film specifically makes him an astronaut because I think that is the one endeavor in recent memory that we can really point to and say, how did this even happen? Like, this should not have happened. This is the 60s. Cars basically barely had seatbelts at that time. And yet we strapped men and a couple of ladies mm -hmm. on top of a gigantic rocket, a bomb, basically, right? Like the biggest bomb anyone ever built and lit it off and exploded them into space and somehow put them on the moon and brought them home again, safe and sound. That blows my mind every day, just thinking about that. If you think about how fragile human beings actually are and how dangerous space actually is, it's shocking, completely shocking that that worked. Yes. The film does such an excellent job of really debunking the entire concept of genetic determinism. It's really a great film. We'll include a link to where you can watch it in the show notes. Not only does it have a really great inspirational message, it, it truly is prescient for what is actually happening today in the fields of genetics. The other thing that came out recently that really pointed to the prescience of this film is the story that I read recently in the Washington Post about the FBI's rapid DNA network. I guess they have basically created these DNA analyzation machines that can do it very quickly. And very quickly in our terms means between an hour and an hour and a half which is nowhere near as fast as the DNA machines in Gattaca could process someone's genetic material. But it's still light years ahead of where we were just a couple of years ago, where this used to take, you know, days or weeks in a lab to get the proper readout of the genetic code. Which is the question, how accurate is this? It's accurate enough for a basic identification, which means it's as accurate as fingerprints, which basically means we're at an inflection point for identification. The government is beginning to create a database, starting with the criminals and those who are willing to give their genetic material freely to be included in this database, which will allow them to begin the stages of identifying people based on their most immutable quality their genetics. One of the concerns that this presents itself is that there really isn't an official guide of how to go about this rapid DNA. Um, and in our show notes, we'll link up what the FBI has, and it's really not across the board, the same rules and regulations. Every police department has their own way of gathering the information and their process. There isn't an official process yet. Well, I think that's actually what's delaying it at this point. It's not the technology, but actually the procedures that yeah. they're concerned about basically including corrupted or wrong DNA in their database, which would render it useless, right? Because the whole point is to be able to identify people specifically based on their exact genetic code, 
they want to make sure that that's accurate does them no good if it's not. They might as well have not wasted their time. So that's what's really holding it back. But the tech is here to identify someone by their DNA with basically no training. You don't need to be a scientist or, you know, a lab technician to be able to run one of these machines. They're kind of fire and forget, which really brings a lot of things into question. The other thing that's holding up deployment of these machines everywhere is the requirement that they be connected to the FBI's secure network. The FBI has a whole other system that does not run over the open internet that secures their data. That's a requirement. They have to implement that in all these police stations in order to deploy a device like this. Exactly. For it to be effective, which brings me back to... You know, you have these small police stations in, you know, middle of America. Yeah, totally. You've Their database is very small. Well, yeah. I mean, once again, everything comes back to data, right? You have to, you have to manage the data properly or it's useless. Exactly. Or, you know, people who are innocent will get caught in the net. Well, that's probably going to happen no matter what. Yeah. Uh, even if they implement things perfectly and the system is flawless... It's still being run by people, and people... People have biases, yep. People have biases, and at the end of the day, it's going to be the same outcome, right? Because human beings love the idea of supremacy. Yes. That they are innately better than their fellow man. Yes. And that's not going to change tomorrow, Mm -hmm. just because the technology is getting better. The whole controversy about algorithms that has come out recently, how a lot of companies have come out trying to say that their algorithms for doing face detection or whatever are unbiased, but they're not. These algorithms were written by people. Mm -hmm. They're for people Mm -hmm. and people have biases. You can't get rid of it, right? Yes, computers are dispassionate, but their creators aren't and their users aren't. There was a saying I learned in my computer program at college, garbage in, garbage out. If you feed the machine flawed data, flawed data is going to come out. Yep. And that's what's happening yes. in so many areas right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie was released in 1997 and it was prescient for our time because back in November 2018, Professor He Jiankui, he's actually a biophysics researcher who taught at the Southern University of Science and Technology in China, successfully created the first human genetically edited babies. There were two twins, one named Lulu and Nana. Now, he made this announcement himself right. on his YouTube channel and published it on his own website. The university states that they had no idea that he was doing this. Right. The genetic editing that he's done is removed a type of HIV. The parents were HIV positive. Oh, I see. Okay. And what he did was he took out the HIV, a very specific HIV gene. When his announcement was made back in November, there was a total uproar. Right. We're talking about ethics, government, (laughs) the whole scientific community was in an uproar, so much so that the university had to put out a statement. Wow. Now, He Jiankui claims that he did release paperwork at 
uh, and a conference in Berkeley when he visited Stanford. Now, those who attended the conference at Stanford University stated that they did not have any presentation by Heijian Kui regarding genetic editing. None at all. So we are dealing with a he said, she said situation. Sure. And the folks who did attend at the Stanford University conference are adamant there was no paperwork or anything like that presented. Right. On January 21, this year, 2019, he was fired by the Department of Biology of Southern University of Science and Technology in China. And so now he's he's no longer working anywhere. Now, for me, one of the things that concerns me is that we now have someone who will go underground. He has the tools to do this. Right, right. And if these two little girls, these twins... Lulu and Nana are successfully living because he's going to be testing them for the rest of their lives. Now, he's probably going to need permission when they're adults because of right now they're, they're, they're in their parents' care. The thing is, is that we now have the capability of doing this. Right. And we do not know the ramifications of this. This is basically what the novel and film Jurassic Park is about. Just because you have the capability to do something doesn't mean that you should do it. There are definitely going to be consequences to this. Yes. You don't know what tiny change will have extremely huge ramifications. Exactly. Here's the thing. Even if we perfectly understand the genetic code, the question is, should we be doing any of this? But that question honestly is irrelevant because this dude and hundreds of other people just like him are already doing it. Exactly. This is the guy that came out and published that he was doing it. But I guarantee you there are plenty of people that are making this happen. And like you said, the technology is out there. Cat's out of the bag. You're not going to get it to go back in. So there's going to be a black market for it. Oh, 100%. The people with top dollar bills whose idea of a superior human being will definitely be seeking out people like him. And it's not just people who want a superior human being who want to edit their genes. This guy was very intelligent to choose as his subjects children whose parents were HIV positive who were probably going to be HIV positive themselves. I just want to make one correction. In order for the experiment to work, the subjects had to be a couple, male and female. They had to want children. Okay. The man had to be HIV positive and the woman uninfected. Right. Those were the criterias. Yeah. I mean, this man was smart. This is a life altering disease that the child would be saddled with their entire life. And he's basically cured them of it by the gene editing that he's done. Like I said, what parent wouldn't want their child to be immune to a life-altering disease? This is how you make this seem completely like a positive thing by saying, we're going to we're going to clean up the genetic defects and prevent disease and make life better for everybody. It's hard to argue against that because who wouldn't want that? But once again, it never stops there. The next step is, of course, designer babies. And then the step beyond that is what 
Gattaca is showing us, right? The world that exists where the genetically inferior are treated as inferiors. Yes. And, you know... Are looked at as less than. Right. And treated as less than. I mean, it's kind of already what the world is. Yes. Now we're just talking about redefining the racism into... It's it's racism um, on the biological level. Right. It's Basically perfecting racism is what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Perfecting it. Yeah. It's taking racism, which is scientifically garbage, and elevating it to a point where you can scientifically prove that this person is superior to this person because they have better genes. It's coming, and the only defense against this kind of thinking is to reject all aspects of determinism, especially biological determinism, because what they do is remove free will at the end of the day. Determinism and all of its forms is about taking choice and free will out of the equation and saying, no, it's not, you didn't really choose that. It's your genetic material that has caused you to make that choice or to have that behavior or whatever. The only defense against this is to plant our flag firmly on the idea of free will, that we determine our choices, that they are not determined for us by our biology or anything else. And that our potential goes beyond what's written in our DNA, that we can overcome or exceed what is written there. And it is not the last word in what makes us who we are. And we're going to need the help of geneticists as well of other people in the scientific medicine community to speak up and show their work stating this is not so. This podcast is a new venture for us, and we appreciate your feedback. Unless your feedback is about how our opinions are wrong. Keep that feedback to yourself. All right. We welcome feedback on the show itself and also any topics you'd like us to discuss. Please check out our website at themisanthropiclife.com for show notes and schedule. You can also contact us on the website or by emailing info at themisanthropiclife.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Miss Life Podcast. That's M-I-S-L-I-F-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Thanks for listening.